This is your host, Natalie Allport, and on this podcast, we dive into the mindset, knowledge, and stories behind inspiring and passionate individuals who know what it takes to go all in. So whether you're here for motivation to learn something new or just real conversation, I'm humbled you're listening and stoked to go all in with you. I'm really excited. We're going to be having Don Fletcher on here. Now, Don is the head coach and the owner of Driven Mind Training. Driven Mind Training was actually used to be called Mentality Wad, and it's been around for a long time in the CrossFit community, in the athlete community. Um, she's a mental performance coach for many high-level CrossFit athletes and athletes across many different sports. So I'm really, really excited and uh, humbled to have her on. What's up, Natalie? Good morning. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Awesome. Not too bad. I, you know, I lost my AirPods and I'm very upset about it. <laughs> I rarely use these because they always fall out of my ear, but it's, it works when I have to prop up my phone, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I know. Cause especially too, like I had my phone charged, but often I just, I leave it charging during the lives. That's and smart. so then I can't plug in the headphones, but yeah, I have to go on a search and try to find them. Yep. You'll find them somewhere or you'll find, <laughs> you'll find one of them somewhere. Oh, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have you on. I think it's been like a long time coming. For um, sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And and did I see that you just completed an adventure race? I did. I am still recovering. I'm tired. <laughs> I can imagine. It's been four days, but it was awesome and it kicked my butt. Yeah, that sounds so great. Like, walk me through it. What is an adventure race? Because it looked it, it looks really cool. I don't know that much about them yet, but <laughs> there are these races that typically have about three or four elements, um, like some sort of running or trekking, mountain biking, a water element, whether this one was paddling, and then a rappelling course as well. Oh, wow. And so this one was a, about a seven hour adventure race. They have them all the way up to like 10 to 15 days. And Jeez. you get a map and you get points that you have to, um, you know, check off your map until you get to the next map and to the next points. And so it's collecting points and racing time, and you're on a team. It's typically a team of four. You have to have one female on your team. We had two females, two males. And it was crazy. And we just, none of us had done it before. We were all beginners. We showed up. It was 20 degrees, and we had all the layers and clothes on. And we went for it. I mean, only 24 of the 50-plus teams that we were racing against even finished under the time cap. We were one of those teams who finished, and we placed six amongst four-person four teams. So we went for it, and we were cold, and some of us still have frostbite and are still recovering. <laughs> it, it was quite the adventure. So I'll, I'll do it again, but I think I'll only do it in temps above 50. Yeah, I, I could imagine. I mean, it's already cold up here. Where, where are you at? I live in San Diego, California, but oh. I'm up in Bend, Oregon. Um, that's where the race was. So okay, it just was, gotcha. it dropped really cold. And once yes. you get wet, you know, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> that's, that's the most uncomfortable feeling, you know, like, so actually when I was snowboarding, like those negative 30 mm-hmm. days where it's like really, really cold, it's, it's not horrible if you have the right layers, like yep. if it's a dry cold, yep. but when it's like wet and miserable out and it's cold, that's just, no, totally. you, you're like, there's like water in your boots and yep. you don't want to be out there when it's like that. Yep. Once the water got like in the glove and in the shoes, it was like, oh gosh, we still have four plus more hours of this. Um, oh. <laughs> we toughed it out. It was good. I mean, the point was to get uncomfortable and I certainly did. Yeah, that's it. Like, how did you deal with that? Because I like, I mean, I I like to get uncomfortable. But when it yeah, when it gets damp, and like, your head goes to different places. You're like, I just want to be home and buy a fire. Of course. 
I, I kept reminding myself that I will warm up eventually. There's a hot tub where we were coming back to. We had like a fireplace. <laughs> we had warm drinks. We knew that stuff was coming. It was just temporary discomfort, right? And we chose to do it, obviously. That was the main thing. It's just having fun, laughing, even though we were uncomfortable. I was with some of my best friends out in the woods. Like, can't really complain about that. So had a lot of fun with it and just laughed it off, reminded myself it was a choice. And I knew I would warm up eventually. Um, just didn't know when. Yeah. Are there yeah. races like that that are individual? Because I could imagine like the mm -hmm. team aspect is really helpful to get through that. But on your own, especially if it was like one of those oh, yeah. 10 to 15 days, I think I get lost and I wouldn't come back. <laughs> on my own, I think I would have stopped. Um, yeah. They had single racers, teams of two, teams of three and teams of four. So there was all sorts of different. This one was more of like a beginner friendly race. So okay. I don't know if that's like at what level they only allow four-person teams. I, I'm definitely in, interested in learning more about the sport. There's a show on Amazon Prime right now. It's like the world's toughest race. I saw a, that. I haven't started watching. Yeah. Okay, watch that because that will okay. give you a lot of perspective. That is not the extent of what I did, but I did one day. <laughs> I did one day's worth of what they, what they do. Oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah, I, I have to watch it. I've been, like, seeing it, and I'm like, okay, sometime I'll start this, and then I get into something else, but, yeah. I thought I was tough, like – I kept saying that out there. I'm like, I thought it was tough. I thought I was fit. I was humbled. <laughs> I think that's the thing about life. Like there's always something mm -hmm. else. Like people who do adventure races and say that's like becomes in their comfort zone. There's always a totally. next level to that. Totally. Everyone's like messaging me. You do ice baths. You should be fine. I'm like, no, that <laughs> a two minute ice bath that I choose to do in my backyard in Southern California is not equivalent to like seven plus hours in 20 degree weather when you're wet um it did help me a little bit mentally but yeah it was like nothing can really prepare you until you do it that that's like an interesting concept to me because i think mm -hmm. you can do these ice baths you can do these things in isolation or you can be like really comfortable with the pain and discomfort of crossfit workouts for example but mm -hmm. it, it does train you to be adaptable to these different situations but like until you do them there's like it's different levels of discomfort and different types across mm -hmm. all these different things you're, you're spot on. And that's the point of it for me is to continue to try to stretch myself to find those new environments or those new stimulus that are going to trigger me to be uncomfortable in some way, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, and you don't know what that is. You can't totally predict it. You expect it and you know what you're going to do or respond to how you're going to respond to it when it comes. But that's, that's part of my practice is to try to find what's going to get me uncomfortable and put myself in those different types of situations so that I get the opportunity to see how I respond and to see how it helps me grow as a person, as an athlete, just as a coach, you know, as all of my different roles, really, it affects me totally. Yeah, I think that's the, the really cool thing about just trying something new and pushing yourself to do something totally new. Because I find like even within your sport, so for example, CrossFit athletes, like they push for a new PR or they push for... Um, just adding a little bit more volume like that's uncomfortable but mm -hmm. you're so used to doing that specific <laughs> movement or that specific workout mm -hmm. do you with some of those athletes do you push them to do something completely different all the time and 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 you're right even though crossfit itself has so many different variables and there's so many different movements and you are constantly learning it is it is to a degree still safe. You're in the gym, you know, you know, there's a certain level of equipment that you can use. And so of course, the better you want to be, the more important it is for you to get outside of those four walls and to do things in, in, in different situations than you would normally. And to do things, whether it's adventure races, or it's just things like hot yoga, or it's just 
putting yourself like in a position to go do a, a comedy course or an improv course, <laughs> people forget that you can get mentally uncomfortable without getting physically uncomfortable. And I think in CrossFit and a lot of sports, you're always looking for the next physically hard thing to do. But a lot of athletes are actually comfortable doing physically hard things. They're less comfortable doing yep. physically hard things. So I like to remind people that like, yeah, you're limited by your experience, right? Or lack thereof. And so as much as different stuff that you can do in your life to get physically, mentally uncomfortable, you're going to have a, you're going to have an edge for sure. Yeah. Hey, Buster. Yeah, I think that's, that is huge, especially for athletes to push outside. And I know that's something I dealt with, like coming from snowboarding, the fear in, in that sport is, did we just pause for a second? I think we're back. Yeah, it was my, I always forget it's my Instagram time limit that goes off and it like, oh. it makes me pause and I'm like, oh crap. Yeah, I try to set off notifications, but somehow they still tend to come up. Totally sorry. <laughs> All good. But yeah, I, I think that's just so difficult. And it's, it's interesting to push yourself on these different, different places. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, going in, like people would be like, are you scared that this heavy lift, you're going to get hurt? And I'm like, I, I was snowboarding and hitting 100 foot jumps. I'm not scared of this. But then, you know, I, I was talking to my aunt, she's like a, a mindfulness and movement uh, mm-hmm. practice instructor. She's very into these things and always pushing me to explore that and that's what makes me uncomfortable it's like talking with her every week and like getting uncomfortable about my feelings or um she would tell me every week try something new like go to a different place or i'm like "Mm, no i like my routine and so i think that's important for people to push because you can push yourself in sports but like sports do end eventually and so how do you actually translate into real life if you're not pushing yourself in these other paths yeah, you're so spot on. And I think that's very, very common. The, the type of thinking that you embodied is very common for the athlete is like, keep everything as routine as possible, <laughs> push myself in training and repeat day after day. And again, that will take you, you know, so far, but there's definitely more experience. There's other experience that can help you grow. You know, yeah. Outside of that. Yeah, it's really cool to see sometimes like you see some of these top athletes and they get to mm-hmm. a plateau. And then mm-hmm. they, they end up like the, the things that they say push them past that seems so like, you're like, really? That's what, you know, you started doing hot yoga or you started doing, mm-hmm. started doing this. But, you know, truly, I think it is that they just push themselves in a different way that they were, a- than they were able to when they hit that plateau, something totally different. And then it ended up translating. Yeah, totally. I remember hearing this, this right when you said that it came to my mind. I remember hearing this um, CrossFit Games athlete. I think he was there at least five times. And he said something about the last year, his practice was to not get like pissed off in traffic. And he focused on that because <laughs> he would lose his mind like all the time on the road and road rage. And that was like his sole focus, he said, and it made the biggest difference in his training. And I love that he even brought that up because again, so many people don't even consider that that's part of mental training that's actually going to help you in your sport. And just picking something like that within your life that you can practice on a day-to-day basis um, made such a big difference for him. So I love that. Yeah. And so many reps, like you're driving right. all the time to the gym or whatever. You can right. practice that all the time. There's some pretty mm-hmm. bad drivers out there. Totally. Awesome. Well, I want to, I want to dive into to the CrossFit games because I know you coach a lot of CrossFit games athletes and they yeah, just yeah. ended. Um, it was awesome to watch and see how they persevered with the only five person field, no music, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. these different variables. What, mm-hmm. what were your thoughts and what was like some of the most impressive mental performances of the weekend? Yeah, it was interesting. It surely was different this year. I've been at the CrossFit Games, I think, 10 years or nine years in a row. I missed one year. Um, So this one, watching from afar, and it was on the same weekend as, like, my adventure race. I typically would never even do something like an adventure race the same time the CrossFit Games were happening, but this this was the perfect opportunity. 
So I was watching a lot in replay and I've, I've seen all the events and it was definitely unique and different. I loved, like you said, the, the fact that they were just in the field, not all the bells and whistles, not all the lights, no music, no fans. And it was just training. It was like the people who just love the hard work and that um, don't really need all of that stuff to perform their best. You could clearly see that um, they were more comfortable in that type of environment. But most CrossFit athletes, I think, are. And especially this year, they've gotten more comfortable just training on their own and being able to push. Um, so I loved it. It was different. Uh, but I thought it was really cool that the athletes who were comfortable could showcase their abilities. And I loved seeing, like, young Justin Medeiros up there just pushing the top guys. And um, his excitement and energy was really refreshing, I think, in our sport. It's neat to see the, the younger athletes come in and just be so passionate and excited about the sport of CrossFit and not not maybe as jaded as some of the other athletes that have been through a lot in our sport. Um, but of course, then, you know, the older athletes have more wisdom and experience. So I don't know. Justin Medeiros was one of my favorite athletes to watch this weekend. Obviously, the, the performances of Matt and Tia, the most dominant in our sport in history. I love seeing them go in and totally dominate. I know a lot of people don't love seeing that because <laughs> they want them to be pushed. But I just think it is amazing feats of athleticism. And we get the opportunity to see the fittest in the world do what they're best at and, it, and just crush it. And it's just it's so fascinating. And I love studying their, their behavior and the way that they um, – kind of prepare and handle themselves and, and talk about their training when they're interviewed. So I don't know. There was a lot of, there was a lot of highlights. Those are yeah. just some thoughts off the top of my head. Oh, th I think this weekend in sports, there was just so many dominant performances. Like I, I like to watch F1 and there was Lewis Hamilton. He won his 92nd championship, which is just insane. And then there was the um, UFC fight. Um, and so there was like all these three basically performances of just dominance. And I know a lot of people, they, it, I mean, it's human nature to cheer for the underdog and kind of, of like course. you see the person who's winning and you, you can't, I, I mean, I, I'm someone who's, I, I like to cheer for the underdog, but I also like, I just understand that to be at the top and to stay at the top, that's a whole other level. Like when you're training Absolutely. and you picture that person who's at the top while you're training, that's an advantage in, in my mind. Like you can Absolutely. be, you can use that as fuel, but when you already are the top, like it's, it can be easier to settle. And so I love to watch that, like performances of dominance and people who are staying on top and continuing. <laughs> that's too. just insane. Yeah, me too. I agree. And, and again, especially when you see all the dynamic tests that sport like CrossFit can test. And even over the weekend, I think they had 12 total events and just the, the diversity and the variety of those events and being able to see dominance in ones that are totally different than the other. And that's so unique for our sport because you typically have some, some element of weakness or there's going to be something that you really struggle with. And you just see Matt and Tia just really winning, like dominating and winning in those very diverse, dynamic, different type of events. And it's, and again, that's the part I think is really cool for the younger people in our sport to see what's possible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're taking it to a whole nother level. It's <laughs> it's awesome to see. Now, for anyone who's sure. who's tuning in and they don't know what happened with the trail run plot twist, basically these athletes got told to run a three mile trail run um, through brutal hills. Like they're crawling, their hands are on the ground, going up and down some of these hills in in the California, like at the at the ranch, mm -hmm. and so just crazy terrain. And once they reached the finish line and some of them were sprinting against each other with that last bit of effort that they had saved so in their gnarly. day. And they get told by the director of the CrossFit Games to turn around and do the whole thing in reverse. Um, to me, I, I was 
I love to see when Katrin came in and she was came mm-hmm. in in third mm-hmm. and just was like, you could see, she was like, let's go. Like she was so excited. And it was like, that was cool because I was like, that's an opportunity. You see it as like, I have extra time now to pass people. What, what did you For think sure. about that performance specifically and how she handled herself and some of the other athletes who were able to, you know, improve on the way back? <laughs> Yeah, I think that was a again a unique um experience for those athletes. Like the way that CrossFit games said they said it was gonna be three plus or minus miles. I don't know if anyone caught that, but that I think gave them the opportunity to have some leeway with how they were going to do that with the event. Otherwise that wouldn't work, right? If you're doing a Metcon, you say five rounds for time and they get there and then they're like, Oh, five more rounds, it wouldn't really <laughs> work in that same way. But I think because they because of the way that it was formatted and almost delivered to them, they had some room to stretch that because it was three plus or minus miles it was three plus um that being said someone like katrin she's excited about that because it works physically to her favor as well the longer for her the better so Mm. not not only of course does she train her mindset we all know that but i think she knew that the longer the better for her and so you're exactly right that gave her more time to to get ahead get a lead hold on to it and then eventually win that um, I believe that if Tia knew that was going to be six miles at the beginning, she would have won that event. That being said, she paced herself totally different for the three mile event and she won the first part of that, but it didn't translate because of the way that she pushed herself. So it was unique. Um, and, and it was certainly a mental twist. I don't think anyone was thrown off so much by the mental challenge of that. I think it was just more damn, like I paced myself <laughs> totally differently for an event that was delivered to me as I thought it was going to be you know, around three miles, and it was twice that. And so physically, if you had more in the tank, you were going to be excited, I think, mentally. But I don't think it really threw any of those athletes off mentally. I think at first, Matt didn't believe it. But the only two athletes that really had the surprise were Matt and Justin, because they were at the front, and everyone else then saw them turning around. So that's the only part I wish everyone would have had an element of surprise, and they could have rerouted them differently so that each person who came across the finish line had to deal with that surprise. But I think by the time it it got back around to those people that were behind them. It was less, it was less of an impact. Yeah. Yeah. I was also like shocked where Matt just like was sitting there and he didn't realize, but like, I know that you, I would too. Yeah. Me too. I'd be like, no, thank you. I'll just, I'll just chill here. It's good. (laughs) But like, yeah, like I know you, you do a lot of event strategy, I assume for your athletes. How do you actually like prepare them to deal with that when they are completely thrown off? Like he did not believe it. But then to come back and still win, you, you would have thought maybe he would have, you know, he broke there mentally, but he, he was able to overcome that. How, how do you plan for that or train that? I think a big part of it is the framing around it, meaning how do you perceive surprises? Are they negative and bad and they're going to throw you off? Or are they positive and exciting and they're actually going to give you an edge? And I think mm-hmm. that's what Katrin has down so well is she goes into it with the harder, the better, right? The more surprise elements, the tougher it is. Um, the colder it is, the wetter it is, the hotter it is, whatever, right? The tougher, the better for me, because that means more elements that everybody has to deal with. And that gives me an edge. So I think a lot of it is around framing. And we talk about that. Like if Castro says, hey, we're going to do double this, or we're going to turn around, or the weight's going to be heavier at the last minute, or whatever changes occur, which those athletes are very used to changes occurring in the sport of CrossFit, you know, the unknown and unknowable and be prepared for anything. But also like, Uh, as a competitor, just recognizing when I'm at the ranch or when I'm at the games and there's an element of surprise that's going to make something tougher for me, can I embrace that as a positive? Because if I'm truly there because I want to be pushed to my limits, 
and that's what all of them will say. They want to be pushed to their limits so they can find out what they're capable of, then we want more challenge. And so to embrace it and to actually look at it as an advantage and look at it as something that's going to help our purpose and enable us to be able to see what we're capable of, because um, it all comes back to like your why and your purpose. But if you can tie in, you know, those elements of surprise back to your why, you're certainly going to have a, a, a stronger mindset than someone who's not able to. Yeah. You know, just look at it as like a negative, like, oh, shit, this is going to be harder. Like you said, like Matt could have easily been like, no way, like, I'm not going to be able to keep it up. But he could also have said like, all right, you want to challenge me in this way? Like, let's go see if I can, you know, like, maybe slow down for a mile or so. But then if I can pick back up speed, like, and if I can still hold out a lead and win this thing, and obviously he was able to, but I think he truly sees it as a positive challenge that's going to push him to see what he's capable of. And he um, clearly is capable (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, it's insane. It's so crazy to watch. But you know what I what I think is like some of the most impressive things is when you look at the mindset of like Katrin and Tia specifically, they're two athletes that like, five years ago, their mindsets were in completely different places. Or I guess about like six years ago. Yeah. Like when you saw interviews of them, like for example, Katrin, when she lost at regionals and Tia, when she was had the leaders, a jersey, and you could see her in that video, I remember watching and being like, why is she saying this? Like, this is just this not good self-talk. Do you think that there's a correlation with people who have had to overcome that mindset and work really hard on building it, that they actually then eventually have the advantage in building that mindset versus someone who might just have kind of been like that tough person all, all along? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's either earned or learned, right? So those girls clearly had to do work in order to earn their own confidence for themselves. They couldn't just have it because... They, they didn't earn it right yet, but over the years, they got better and better and put in the work and they were able to earn some of that confidence and that belief and also learned because, again, they read the books, they put in the time on mindset. I know how much Shane makes that a priority. Obviously, Bergeron makes that a priority. And so, you know, you can't almost blame them because they just didn't have that skill or they didn't have, they didn't know that knowledge at that time but you see how much work they put in physically to earn it and mentally to learn it. And that's what has, like you said, given them that, that ability at this time. So I do think that, yeah, it certainly even gives them more of an edge because they had to put in the work and the time. People don't realize that they just think like you can get it or have it. It's like, no, it takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of time and it's an ongoing process. It's not something that you just have or not don't have. It's something that you continue to train and to learn about yourself, to become more aware so that you can, um, be the best asset you can possibly be. It's, it's an ongoing process. And I know how much uh, specifically those girls put the work in. So it is, it is really cool to see. Yeah. Like it, I remember just seeing Tia show up the year after that. And I was like, she's a different person, but I had counted her out based on, you know, watching <laughs> yeah. that video and seeing yeah. what her mindset was. And I was like, she has it, but her mind just isn't there. But the fact that in one year she was able to change that should be a testament to anyone who, whether they're an athlete or not, and just is struggling, or they think they can't do something like you can do it. Absolutely. And I've seen that firsthand with the athletes I've worked with. It's just giving them a few, few basic tools to be able to understand themselves better, so that they can present themselves better, whether it's the way they speak to commentators, like or interview um, people like she was on the video, or it's the way that they, again, frame their training or challenge or struggle. It's just a few tools can go a long way in you understanding what's the best approach for something. Um, and I've seen it firsthand take athletes from decent and pretty good to, you know, the best that they can possibly be simply by 
understanding some of those tools that are going to really give them an edge. Yeah. And it seems like it's a lot of those little things. Like it's just little Mm -hmm. things. Like people don't have to completely change their entire Mm -hmm. lives. It's, it's little things like the way you hold yourself or um, like when you see someone and they finish an event and they're dying, but then you just walk off as if nothing happens. That's that's really, uh that's that's a big thing. (laughs) Absolutely. It's like when you pass someone, if they're, if their shoulders are back and their eyes are forward and they even look like they're not tired, even though they're, they're really tired. But if you pass someone and you're looking strong, you know, your competitor sees you passing them and they're like, Oh, I don't have a chance in keeping up with that person because they look, you know, like they're still going strong, but it's like, you can learn some of those tools so that again, you're, you're just more aware of how you're carrying yourself. And those little things, like you said, over time in your training are going to really be helpful when it comes to competition, because it's really hard, if not impossible to just like turn those things on when it's competition time, right? You got to train them over time so that it's really natural for you to carry yourself in a certain way and approach workouts in a certain way because you've trained it all year long. Um, Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Something else that I really started to notice is in a lot of sports and especially in CrossFit, you used to see like people after a workout, maybe they're, they're visibly frustrated when they don't do well. What I've been noticing more and more is people are, they're controlling their reactions more. So they're like happy, even though they came last. They're like, okay, you see it at the end of the weekend, like the really big disappointment and they're crying or whatever, because the weekend is over and like now they can let it all settle in. But how does this play in both physically and mentally in recovering for the next event? Because I think it seems like they're putting deliberate practice into even though it was frustrating, you don't have time to dwell on a loss. Like you have to stay positive Mm -hmm. for the next event. You're exactly right. And again, I think that's a learned technique. It's in competition. Let's just talk about CrossFit competition. You may have one hour between events, maybe up to three hours between events, but knowing how much time you have between events also helps you to be able to understand what's your best approach for how to respond to that struggle or failure. Like if I have three hours or five hours, yeah, I might take 10 minutes and be really pissed off. And that's what I'll tell my athletes, depending on how much time they have between events, if they're really upset, I'm like, take 10, exactly 10 go cry, go be pissed, go throw something, like do whatever you got to do. And then come back to me and say, coach, I'm ready. And we're going to move on to the next thing. We're going to talk about, hey, here's what we learned. Here's what we can do better next time. And then let's go get recovered. So depending on how long you have between events, but if it's not that long, you're totally right. It's, it's being able to say, okay, that was a struggle for me. I know that that's something my coach and I are going to put in work towards in the near future. I don't need to focus on that right now because there's nothing within my like direct training that I can do to improve on the past, obviously. But I can say, I know that that was exposed for me. That was a struggle. That's good. Now that we know that information, my coach and I will put in a plan to work on that. Great. I have that knowledge now. Again, I learned something. And I always say, when you learn, you get better. So I learned something. I can take away something. My coach and I will have a plan. What can we do now? to get either recovered or prepared for the next piece. And again, I think that is, I I know in my experience, that's a learned technique and that's a practice that's important to utilize in training. So that on game day, you're really comfortable with knowing what helps me recover and bounce back from a poor performance or one I didn't feel good about. Is it talking about it? Is it not? Is it doing something like specific? Is it having some type of ritual? But if you know that coming into it, you're going to be a lot more prepared to handle it when it does happen. And I think that's what we're seeing nowadays is that people have put emphasis on that in training and they're able to recover a lot quicker and almost be happy that they found and exposed a weakness because they know that that's the key to getting better. That's how you get better is by finding those 
those areas for yourself that you want to continue to work on. Um, so the best of the best can see that as a positive. And also, I always remind athletes, you're allowed to be upset and frustrated and get pissed off. Just know how you're going to bounce back from that frustration. Mm -hmm. um, because expressing emotions is not a bad thing at all. Right? We, can, we don't want to stay completely stoic for the rest of our lives. That's not the point. The point is to be able to express emotions in a healthy way and then be able to learn and grow for them so that we can move on to the, the, ne the next task. Mm, I love that because I think a lot of people look at mental performance and athletes like, mm -hmm. I need to become a robot. And that's, that's I not agree. it. That's like, not the point. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Not the point at all. Because, again, I think if, for us to a certain degree, if you're limiting your emotions, you're also limiting your ability to be joyful and excited and passionate. And, um, and those are really important parts of you being able to perform your best is to still be excited about the sport. And that's why, again, someone like Justin Medeiros or like Haley Adams, you see coming in here and they're just this fresh young individual who just loves it. And they still have this really high passion. It's fun to see because um, a lot of times over the years, we get more control because we know that that to a degree, that's a benefit. But again, we don't want full robots and like you to not be able to express yourself to to a degree you just want to make sure that that you're doing that in a way that helps your performance and doesn't hurt it right yeah i think it's just so important to just have fun and i think sometimes mm -hmm. athletes mm -hmm. might look at like seeking a sports psychologist or a mental performance mm -hmm. coach as something that's like going to take away their enjoyment but it's actually just a key like if you're doing better you're ha maybe you're having more fun um, you're enjoying it more and you're staying passionate about it if you have the right coach or the right training because as long as, you, yeah, you're not, like you said, just getting so controlled and, um, like, robotic, as people um, seem to see from the exterior. Like, having that enthusiasm and the fun of it, that's going to carry you a long way, I think. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And the athletes that I work with, I always say, like, if we're at a competition, we're going to be having the most fun of anybody there. And you'll be able yeah. to tell, right? And that has um, everything to do with me trying to say you chose this for a reason because you love it and you're passionate about it you're excited about growth and I just as a coach continue to remind them of that and help them honor that because it's so easy to get lost like you know when you're in it, a lot of people think they have to be doing well to be having fun and I think that you can actually choose fun first and that's going to typically help you per perform better and there's kind of a, a good meet in the middle there with those two facets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that because I think a lot of people sometimes they look at mental training and things like that in a different light, but it's important to reframe it so that more people get exposed totally. to, to training that because they realize that it's, it's something that's helpful and it's not going to take away your enjoyment. Absolutely. If anything, it's, it's going to increase it. And then again, that's the point. Then that's where you can really reap the benefits and you can see what's possible because if your enjoyment's high, you're going to be more consistent most likely. And then when you're more consistent, you're going to have better results. You're going to be more motivated and you know, it all just goes around. Exactly. Yeah. I like, there's like a quote and I'll totally butcher it, but it's basically just saying that, you know, no one has ever truly succeeded at something that they're not, they don't enjoy or they don't love because how can you be consistent? It's you're going to burn out if, you don't totally. truly love it. And sometimes you have to go through that to figure out if you do truly love something. Yep. And take a break. And sometimes that's the best thing for reigniting your passion is to remove yourself from the stimulus to see if it's actually something you would choose or something that you want to go back to with a certain level of commitment. Um, and I remind people that like, if you're really down and out or you're not having fun or you're feeling those signs of burnout, it's like, just step away. Just take a week or two weeks off and see if it is something you want to go back to. It may not. And that's okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so I know you also coach athletes of different sports. And like I saw mm -hmm. that you also coach like a motocross athlete, for example. So my mm -hmm. background is in action sports. So I'd love to compare 
what's mm-hmm. the different mindsets in a sport for example like we talked about when you get you're getting uncomfortable in different different areas and pushing yourself in different areas in crossfit it's very physical you're enduring like the pain of the lactic acid setting in for example or the difficulty of the workout but when it comes to some different sports there's there's other aspects at play where it's maybe more fear-based fear of injury um pushing to try something new what are the differences that you've noticed yeah i mean there's so many facets in sport performance that carry over to all sports and to carry over to anything that we want to perform better at things like you know you having your why and understanding how to focus better etc they carry over no matter what sport or what type of athlete i'm talking to and then there's always sport specific components of what exactly does your sport ask of you and learning about that through the athlete learning about that through my own studying making sure i have a you know, a strong understanding of what is the athlete even being asked to do for their sport and for their training um, and spending time talking to them about what are their limitations or what do they feel like for them is a challenge. And again, it's, it's unique to the sport. So an example might be like something like motocross or something that um, an athlete is really going to be a little less physically tasked, but mentally they, they really want to work on improving their ability to focus on directly what's in front of them, whether that, again, a competitor's coming in and out or knowing the next turn. And so it's a lot more like mental training in that regards of trying to help them set themselves up to be able to focus the best that they can in their training and in their sport. Um, And a lot of times it comes down to just, again, in life, what are their habits for focus? How are they removing distractions? How are they um, setting up an intention or a purpose before they start what they're doing, making sure they have a clear why? Um, and, and keeping your eyes uh, on the task at hand. So there's always going to be unique sport-specific training for an athlete, depending on what, what's being asked of them in their sport. Um, but a lot of the same variables carry over regardless of what the sport is. Right. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I know, like, I work with sports psychologists during my time on the national snowboard team. And yeah. what I found was a lot of them had no knowledge of action sports so they came from like the hockey team or something else and so there was those basics that were so important to learn and like have carried me you know after that sport into other aspects but I did find like the disconnect where it's like I could hit this jump and die and that's what I'm scared of more than Mm -hmm. you know like I'm not scared that I slip a little bit on my run and lose a couple points on my landing or something like I'm scared something really bad could happen have has have you been have you worked with any athletes that have had to deal with those types of fears I think in any sport like people who have had big injuries for example and they don't want to like re-blow out their knee oh absolutely whether it's injury fear or whether it's something like height or even exposing myself in front of others is a big fear of people Mm. who I work with so um you know, fear is a real thing. It's a big thing. It impacts all of us. And my goal as a coach is always to get to know the person as best as I can. What are their, what are their desires? What are their fears? Um, and begin to talk them, talk with them about what are our approaches? What are our options for, for overcoming that? And it doesn't mean the fear is going away. Cause I think that that's what everyone thinks. It's like, oh, the fear has to go away. <laughs> I wish. To be able to do the jump. It's like, no, how do we learn how to do things afraid? And how can we take small steps in practicing in our life, um, again, outside of our sport and inside of our sport, how can we take small steps in our life to do things, to do little things that we um, are going to have fear about and we're going to practice doing them? And we might get momentum from doing some of those smaller things in our life. I call it like collecting courage, like how in your day-to-day life or how in your week-to-week life. I've had a lot of athletes that are getting ready for an event. Let's just say it's a month away. And 
there's a lot of fear around it. I know a lot of athletes are afraid of swimming in CrossFit and they're gonna have an ocean swim, for example, in a month. And they know that they want to do it, but they're really afraid. And so in that month leading up to that, how can we collect as much courage as possible? How can we get like those brevity notches on our belt? And so in your day-to-day life, we come up with a lot of different options of like, what can we do so that you can practice doing things afraid? And yeah, you're gonna swim over the next month, but that's not gonna be like your only training. We got to do things that help you feel braver and fear, feel more confident facing fears um, because it's not going to go away. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be challenging. You're going to have all the butterflies. You're going to have the anxiety. You're going to have, you know, the fear-based thoughts. And I always say they're okay. Those aren't bad. You know, just your response to them is what matters. And so it's a lot of practice around, like you said, understanding the athlete's desires and fears and continuing to remind them that they don't, you don't have to do the jump. You actually don't ever have to do that jump in your life if you don't want to. <laughs> if you want to, and we can tie that back to your why and your purpose, then you're actually gonna be more motivated to do the small things that I might come up with or we might brainstorm together that we say, what are some ways in which we can navigate this fear and this challenge that are gonna help you not only perform your best, but also um, give you tools for life that, um, by the way, fear's not going away. So let's find ways to deal with it. Yeah, I know. I wish it was something that could just turn off. And that's what people often say. Like, they're like, you must have no fear I know, to be too. in I'm that like, sport. And I'm like, mm. I'm afraid all the time. <laughs> yeah. And especially now that I'm older and I'm, I'm kind of removed, like I don't compete anymore in, in the sport. And when I go, I'll still hit the jumps, yeah. but I don't yeah. do those same tricks. Yeah. I'm like, I don't need to injure myself for other things. Exactly. But exactly. it's just, you know, then people still think like, oh, you have no fear. Like, you haven't gone you know, on the jumps in so long. And I'm like, no, because it's, it's in my comfort zone. I'm not pushing to that next level. Mm-hmm. And it's something I've worked super hard on and done a million times. Like, and mm-hmm. so it's the same thing. Like some people who are just so open and vulnerable and like are able, like friends that I have that talk to me all throughout mm-hmm. high school and university and all these about like their feelings and all these things. And I'm like, eh, I'm like, here's a wall between me and mm-hmm. I'm just going to be stoic and only talk about these things. And for them, it's not scary. Like I talk about something and they think it's, yep. you know, it's a big deal for me, but it's not for them. And so it's, it, it plays different roles, I think, for different people. And we all experience it. It does not go away. Yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. It's just learning about yourself and being open to learn what are your little triggers for fear, for anxiety, or for worry, concern. We all have them. Let's learn about ourselves and let's be open. Let's try to be as open as possible to the ways in which we can um, navigate those fears because there's no one way or right way for everyone. I think it just has to do with your willingness to say, Hey, it's something that I want to learn more about. And that's where that growth mindset comes into play. And most, most athletes have that again, but it's, it's a learned process. It's not something you can just say, like, read this book and you're done. You can read all the books, but (laughs) until you work with one, yeah, somebody where you're actually like, I'm, I'm a big like doing person. You've got to do, you've got to fall, you've got to practice, you've got to um, trial and error experimentation. And as much as you can keep a playful attitude about that, again, you're going to love the process of growth because you can actually enjoy it, even if it's uncomfortable and growth is and will be uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Like in, in my opinion, self-awareness is that's it's like it. the foundation. That's that the it. most You're important right. thing. I think for success in anything, like in life, mm-hmm. like business, uh, mm-hmm. sport, um, relationships, mm-hmm. like that is just so key and such a pillar. And it's something that I wish in the world, like we had more of and people, there was, it was just more awareness of in, in general, because I feel like I didn't even hear the word self-awareness come up until I like the last five years mm-hmm. or so on. Yep. Like, you know, something that maybe I've been working on without knowing it. 
but I didn't actually see the focus. And I think in the world, like there would probably be a lot less problems if all of us knew ourselves and our motives better. Um, yes. <laughs> but like, how, how do people actually work on that? Like, what can they do? Because I think like, sometimes it comes naturally through the ways that you pushed yourself. But in other places, like, there's, there's times in your life where you just never need to, like, you don't feel that feedback, like in sports, you really start to get that feedback to get to the next level that you need to learn more about yourself. But some yeah. sometimes you, you just don't get that pushback. How do you actually train that for anyone, an athlete or not? Yeah, again, it's so funny because it's like your awareness about self-awareness matters, right? And like, <laughs> like you got to know that that's something that's important is to is to get feedback, to learn about yourself, to constantly try to grow. And that's just simply not where everybody is, right? A lot of people are literally just trying to get by in the world. They're, they're literally just trying to get through their hour to hour, or day to day. And again, that's okay because circumstances in their lives probably have put them in that type of position. But being just open to learning, like being a sponge, being open to learning, being open to growth. Hey, if you have something that I can do better after, the, after this call, I want to hear about it. I'm excited to hear about it. If my significant other, somebody in my family has feedback to me, like, please give it to me. I, I want to hear about it. So I think as an individual, um, this is something my mom always says, it's be interested and be interesting. So mm -hmm. ask questions and then also be, be, be willing to be asked questions. And right. if we can do that exchange in our life and just kind of stay curious um, about others in the world and also, again, be, be interesting, meaning people, we want people to engage with us and ask us questions. And I just try to encourage people to be open, to be willing and to be a sponge because there's learning lessons all around that can help us be more aware. You don't, again, have to just read the book. Like you can become more aware simply when you're brushing your teeth. It's just being, just noticing your habits, noticing your tendencies. Um, but I've yeah. also studied this stuff for like 15 plus years so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that helps too I think right <laughs> no yeah I think it's a good point like sometimes like you're just you're caught up in life and so you don't have the time or or the privilege to the have privilege. to you're go exactly and right. yeah and dive into some of these things on on self-awareness exactly. do you ever find it really tiring to be so self-aware where you like yes. you start analyzing <laughs> everything in your wish that like sometimes I do wish when there's just so many things especially this year like so many crazy things yeah. like I wish I didn't I had spent so much time knowing how I work or how things work because then it's like oh what are my biases when I see this thing in politics happening or this and it's like I wish I just could just go with the wind and and just not have those those thoughts about it but at the same time I think it just it's crucial like it's still crucial I could talk about this all day. Um, yeah, I'm sure we all remember times when we were younger, whether it's in our 20s or in our teens, depending on where you are in life, and you look back, you're like, oh, that ignorance was blissful, right? And you just didn't know, and you didn't care, and it was, and you just did what you wanted to do. But um, once you see things, and once you have that awareness, you don't unsee it, right? Like, I always use the example of the FedEx truck with the arrow in it. And once you see that arrow in the FedEx truck logo, mm. you can't unsee it, and you're like, yeah. damn it, right? <laughs> that's how life is like once we understand ourselves and once we see what's going on in the world and once we see how people communicate and the things that are going on yeah we don't unsee it so I think part of the practice for myself too is managing like how much of that kind of growth work or how much of that um, I'm willing to participate in and I think I have enough awareness to know that there's really it's really positive for me to turn off and not read all the books all the time and not do all the journaling all the time and just like go be and go be present in the world so trying to mm. make sure like I offset some of now my tendencies to be like 
hyper aware and always trying to like learn and grow and understand because that's not always healthy either. Yeah, that that's been a big thing for me too. And just like getting back into more action sports where you're you're forced. Like, yes. If you're mountain biking down a exactly. mountain, you have to be thinking about the rock that's coming up or the exactly. jump that's coming up. And so for me, that's been a good outlet because before, like that was more that wasn't like my thing. Like I was an action sport athlete. And so I had to be so aware in that moment, but now I can do it where it's just like flow. And I I think that's just so much better. So I know, I know you've got to run in five minutes. Um, I had a last thing I wanted to talk quickly about ice baths because I love them. Yes, please. I love them Um, too. Yeah. Like what, what do you think makes them so incredible and how I'm trying to get more people into the ice baths. It took me a year to get my boyfriend to finally, he went, we went on a road trip and he went into Lake Louise, which was less than three degrees Celsius. I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's cold. It's almost freezing. I remember seeing one of your beautiful pictures. I don't remember if that was it. Yes. that, that, Yeah. It was really, really fun. And so I actually, I went uh, two years ago, I went in there and I I was the only person and I think I'm in all the tourist YouTube videos because everyone started filming me because I couldn't believe it. (laughs) This time my boyfriend, I convinced him, but he made me go like somewhere where there's not so many people watching. So we went off to the side, but I was like, he went all the way in and I was amazed because we go to like, um, uh, there's like a Nordic spa and um it's just near like a mountain resort here and they actually they have the rivers frozen over and they put a hole so you can go right in the river and he refused he refused and i'm like chilling and i'm purposely being super stoic so that it's like making him more angry that i'm there yeah you gotta you gotta come do it it's really awesome awesome but yeah how like how can we get more people into it like talk about the benefits I mean, I don't think like I could talk again about this all day too. Maybe we'll have to do a second round of this and we focus on like strategies or specific things um, people can do to work on their mindsets. I don't think there's anything more potent in say one to two minutes that you can do in this world that combines both mental and physical training and gives you again, the the psychological and the physiological benefits that cold water does. So I don't know if I can say anymore. I mean, I could talk about it all day, but I think that (laughs) There's nothing you can do in such a short period of time to make such big differences in your life um, to me other than the cold water exposure. And so I'm all about potency. Like we don't all have all the time all day to be training our minds like I do basically full time, but that's like my job, right? So what can we do or what can we give people that um, is the most potent use of their time and their energy that are going to give them the biggest positive effects? Um, Go figure it's something really uncomfortable. Right. And, but I don't think until you do it, you're able to understand what you can feel like afterwards. Mm. And for someone like myself who had a lot of anxiety, panic attacks, um, constantly kind of thinking about what am I thinking about? What's going on with me? How am I feeling? Assessing that, like we talked about. Um, the ice bath to me is like such a reprieve and gives me such feelings of like, alertness, awakeness, aliveness. Um, It's almost a way to like kind of shut off that emotional, just like turmoil into a degree. Um, I feel like I can take on anything afterwards. Like talk about just being ready to like do anything hard after you take an ice bath. Like everything is easy after an ice bath. So it's like, just have a surge of just aliveness and energy and willingness. And I have a clear mind and I I feel just overall physically better. I feel, yeah, just just more prepared to take on the world and what's going to come in because, you know, the world's not going to stop. The world's not going to get easier. So I think it's just the most potent way that 
for me, I have found that I can train myself to feel more resilient to what's going to keep coming to me. And, uh, and also just physically to, um, yeah, just really feel better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I'm fired up to go have an ice bath. But I've, I've been having cold showers every day because I find I bought like a big tub in the summer. But just the amount of effort to get like all the ice is like you said, like, we only have so much time in the day. So I'm like, okay, right. cold showers is like my somewhat supplement. It's like replacing it for the yeah, moment. Yeah. Um, when I was on the, the national snowboard team, we had like the ice bath room, like the, the tubs, the two different hydrotherapy yep. tubs. Oh, that we were so, so blessed, good. like so, so for blessed. Sure. And, um, but yeah, now I'm excited for when the, like the rivers and stuff freeze I over. Say, natural I, water is the best. Bet. I think that I'm going to try to do more of that. Like, just cause I, I do have like a little, like, um, at my cottage, we have this old like ice fishing thing. So you can drill a hole. I'm going to try to like, please be careful, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to try. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully I'll survive. I'm going to send you a link after this of this new, um, ice barrel that, that, that just came out. It's uh, amazing. I hope to get one, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I want a sauna and an ice bath. That's what I really Same. want. Yeah. that's when we that's when we'll know we've made it yeah that's exactly (laughs) like you have the hydrotherapy and everything in your house that's the dream the dream totally (laughs) well awesome thank you so much for joining me um where can people find you and and learn more thank you so much natalie this was a great hour um drivenmindtraining.com and drivenmindtraining on instagram and my personal instagram is at dawn m fletcher if yeah if there's anything that i can help you with you can also shoot me an email dawn at drivenmindtraining.com Awesome. Well, thanks again and have a great rest of your day and um, enjoy your next ice bath. I'm going to take a break today. I'm going to some natural hot springs. I decided after the, after the adventure race, I was going to just take a little like week or two to let my body recover (laughs) and not do any more cold water exposure. So today it's hot springs. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds better. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks Natalie. Take care. Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.